Let there be healing, Lord, in this place. Let, let there be more love in this place. Let there be more joy in this church. Lord, I just pray for those who are not sure of even today. I pray for those who have no place to pray. Wake them up in their houses, Lord. Bring them, Lord. There are so many who clothe themselves into, into their house, Almighty God. I pray for full deliverance tonight. I pray for full deliverance today. I pray for those who sometimes do not give their life fully to you. Lord, let, let the delivering take place in this place right now. Deliver your people, Lord. Let their heart be full with your glory. We give you praise and honor today. We pray this in Jesus' name. I and my wife, we are going to greet you with a song. Uh, you may know that song. Uh, this is the first time for my wife to come here. We are going to sing uh, a song that said, A mighty fortress is our God. And I think that introduces us, that actually helps us of what it means to be family of God. Someone would say, oh, they, they have that, that song in their language. We have it in, in our language because someone from here went to our country and introduced Jesus to us. It was 1911 when Christianity came into my town. I was born in a Christian family, and, and that was my blessing. So somebody from United States went to my town in 1911 just to bring the gospel to us. You can give yourself a hand for that. Ganke kone guandan nekos. Ganke kone guandan nekos. Elan me bom me che
just came back to say thank you very much. You adopted my family. You, you have adopted South Sudanese to be part of your family. We are brothers and sisters. Jesus called us and he died for all of us. This is one of the great joy and this is how we will be together in heaven. We are building the kingdom and the only thing that we will live in this world is the friend, is a mark of Jesus' hand. We've been dealing with orphans. We've been dealing with widows. We've been equipping pastors to reach others and, uh, and believe it, uh, people who are not yet uh, reached with the gospel. So we've been standing together. And that reminds us when Jesus said, I was in jail and you did not do anything to me. I walk naked and you did not cover me. So this church already adopted uh, this message. I enjoyed was in Ethiopia uh, in a month that is actually very hot, but we endured the hot, the hardness of, 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 of that weather. We made it back. There are so many joys. People are expecting us. Uh, Pastor Brian, people are, are still asking you, when is he going to come back? You see, I just want to say thank you very much. We don't want to take much of your time, but I and my wife are just saying uh, thank you for the way you adopted us. The mission is still going on. The building of Africa Relief Minister is taking place. The fence is now under construction, uh, even though they stopped it yesterday because of the funds. But yet, you see, God is touching the life of many who are saying, I want to be a hand of Jesus. I want to add something. And the good news was 
the engineer who was actually working on that, he said, Michael, let people know that if somebody wants to build one room for one family or, or five orphan kids, it takes only 1,500 to build a nice room for, for one family. So how, how much you can build a house in this, in this town or one room? Uh, it may not be a, a 1,100, but over there you can do that. Hallelujah. When you think of doing that, that's how it costs. That's how it will cause you to say, I want to build a room. And we will put your name on that room. It will be there forever. Generation after generation, they will see your name and they will say, this is the person who donated to build that room. So I just want to leave this to you so that you think about it as we are moving forward to start building the orphanage center in Ethiopia. Uh, I don't know, my wife uh, may want something to, to say it and um, just give her two minutes or one minute. Uh, she just said, I'm very glad to be here. I'm so delighted that I'm, uh, I came with my husband here uh, yesterday. We rejoiced the time. Maybe one day is when, when God opened another door for me to come. Maybe I will come with my eight children and then you will be able to see them. And... Uh, yeah. Uh, we have five boys and three girls. I'm so delighted with, with, with the assimilation, the way you assembled us into the community and the work that you are, that you are showing us, the love that you are showing uh, to our people that we left behind. Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that's exactly what you did. No one can hurt himself because you love your, your body. It, it is the same way that this is the same love that we can show to other people. And that's exactly what you've been doing. The Bible said when... When one person falls down, another person can lift him up. We fall down as South Sudanese. We fall down and you came and say, we can stand together. That's why many of you decided to go uh, to this trip in summer. You are just lifting us down because these are the people who fall. We've been in war for many years. But now you understand where we are and the situation that we went in. You lift us up. One hand can never bring any sound, but two hands can definitely make noise. Uh, if, if, if two of us are not united, uh, my husband cannot take care of eight children and at the same time going to Africa. So because we are working together, he can go to Africa and I can remain with our children at home. That's, that's, that's the uniqueness of unity when people are united. Uh, we are, I'm, I'm so delighted 
for the way you receive us. And we are so delighted with our brother George. He took us to, to the top of the mountain yesterday. And it was, it, it was very scary, but we made it. My personal history is very complicated. It's so sad. I grew up as an orphan child. But I'm not going to talk more about that because sometimes whenever I try to go back into my personal history, it makes me cry. But I just want to let you know that when we talk about orphans, I was, personally, I was an orphan. I lost my mom when I was seven, uh, seven or six, uh, five. And at the age of 10, I lost my daddy. So the only time I got a blanket and a clothes when, was when I got one of the organizations like African Relief Ministry who gave uh, us a blanket and a t-shirt. That was the only time I received something good. And it came from America. You see, as a child, when I received the, the blanket for the first time, and I received clothes from that uh, organization, until today, I'm very glad with them. I do not even know their name, but with what they did to me, I'm still blessing them. I'm still remember them, and, and, and I think it is the same way like some of you are doing now. Some of you are making clothes. Some of you will go back, will go to Africa to, to be the hand of Jesus. That was what somebody did to me last time. I never knew at that time that God will open the door for me to come to America and, and sit with people like you today. Sometimes when, when we were child, when you see a white person in our community, we, we, we follow them, and we wanted to touch them. You see, we thought they are different. But as we came here, our children understand that we are one. We understand that we are one, and that, uh, that's a great blessing. Uh, there was a time Pastor Michael left Africa, and uh, there was, uh, at that time also, we get nothing. Uh, the money that he left to us, they finished, and I was waiting for, for a check to come in. I, I tried to go to Walmart, and I met an elderly person and his daughter. Uh, he opened his door, and he said, if you have $2, give them to me. I have only $20 that I was carrying. Uh, he said, I've been thinking about it. This is a person who was here in America. I just came in and, and is now asking, if you have $2, give them to me. And he was, he, he had a good car too. So I, I thought about it and I said, it doesn't matter. You can have a good car and yet you can have no 
no gas on it too. So I picked my $200 and gave them to him. I just returned back home. So I decided to drop my daughter in the house and I went to another job. In that job I met with another pastor. And the, and the, and that person said, "Elizabeth, I have $40. I just want to bless you with this $40. Uh so have this $40. I bless you with this." I did not even spend 10 minutes to, to, to get in return of what I just did. So that was, that was the time I, I have seen the hand of God when he, he said it's better to give than to, re to receive. So when I give, I never realized that I'm going to get even double of what I already gave. But God already did that. And uh, when I was giving $20, uh, the daughter was actually in doubt, saying, Mom, wh why are you giving $20 away? So she came back to the daughter and said, look, God already multiplied what we already gave to that person. We have $40 right now. I greet you all in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's continue helping those who are in need. Uh, do your best while you before you leave the world. If we did not do anything right now, and I think that's where the question will come in heaven. What did you do to my people who will be in suffering? If people are happy with you here on earth in heaven too, you, you are actually doing what the Lord said. God bless you. Thank you guys. Good morning. Uh, just one announcement. This upcoming Saturday, we will be having a seminar right here in the gym, 9 a.m., um, about security cameras or hidden cameras and whatnot. So if you're interested in learning more about that, come on out this upcoming Saturday. Uh, if we could have the ushers come forward, please. In that same message of giving, let's take today's tithes and offerings. Bow with me. <clears throat> Lord, I'm grateful for the messages and the songs that we've heard. Um, just inspiring to hear a mighty fortress in, in a native tongue that just reminds us that you're being praised across the world. In every aspect, every um little pocket of this world you're being praised and your your word is going forth your gospel is being spread um and a big way that that can happen lord is is through giving and lord i pray that we have giving hearts and we have um minds that are about giving back um, because all of that we've been blessed with is a blessing from you lord we are grateful uh, as we take this morning's tithes and offerings, Lord, I pray that you bless it, you multiply it, you accomplish what it is you have in mind as we pray that we are your church, not our own church, but following what you have 
for us in this world. Bless these offerings. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay. It's the last Sunday of the month, so you know what that means. Kids, come on up here on the stage. We're going to have Sermon in the Sack. Come on up here. For those that may not know, Sermon in the Sack is where we gather up here with the kids. And there's going to be, I hope there's an item. There's the sack. There's going to be an item I've not seen or have no idea what it is. And we're going to have a little lesson on it. So, you guys ready? How's it going? Is this the, is this the sack I need? Thank you very much. Okay. Are you guys ready? What do we have here? Oh, my gosh. Okay. I think this is some lip color, maybe, possibly, some makeup. Oh, fingernail polish. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't put this on very often. I'm, I, this is fingernail polish. Any of you guys here use fingernail polish? You have it on right now? Thanks for setting me straight. So... This is fingernail polish. This is, I think we have one other color here. If uh, more fluorescent pink is, is your jam. Um, so, makeup. Um, what else do you do? What other kinds of makeup do you have, guys? I mean, not guys. We're going with girls. Hopefully you guys aren't wearing eyeshadow. What else? Blush right here, right? Have alt lipstick. Okay, so sometimes you put on makeup to go out, to have fun, right? But you don't, put, you don't put on makeup, do you? No, no. So what we do with makeup, we go out, you know, you have a good time, you know, you put it on your face or whatever. But is it your real face? No. So sometimes when we're around a group of people, uh, we try to put on a certain face. Does that, does that make sense, that you try to act a certain way? Um, but who is it that sees you all of the time, 24-7? God, right? He knows, he knows your true self. He knows everything about you. You don't ever have to put on a face for him, right? So it's called being real. So when you go to God in prayer, you guys pray, hopefully, at night, in the morning, before meals. When you talk to God... You go to him with your true self, right? You can be true, vulnerable. You can be true yourself to him. And so when you pray to him, share him everything. Share with him everything that's going on in your life, and he can help you with whatever it is you're going through. Does that make sense? You don't have to put on makeup, right, to talk to God. Does that make sense? It doesn't. It, it makes sense, really. All right, guys, let's go ahead and close out in prayer. And I think you, uh, Ms. McKenzie has some workbooks you guys are going to grab after this prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, we are grateful for you knowing us through and through. And sometimes that's scary, but you know every bit about us, everything that we say, every action we've made. But we can go to you in reality and truly who we are through and through. Um, and, and we can share what it is we've done wrong. We can share what we're excited about to you when we pray to you, Lord. And we are thankful for that. We are grateful for your love in our lives. And that you see all of us. And you still love us. And you still give us grace. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said. Amen.
Can we give Pastor Scott a hand? Good job. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 2. As you can tell, my voice is pretty weak. That's why Pastor Scott stepped in for me on the Sermon on the Sack. Why well, I wasn't on a microphone during music, but we're going to get through this. It's going to happen. Joshua chapter 2. By the time we show up in Joshua chapter 2, Moses has died. The Israelites have crossed over the Jordan or about to cross over the Jordan. Uh, let's see. No, they've, yeah, they're about to and, and about to start entering into the promised land, okay? And this is, this is finally, they're, they're arriving at this, this promised place. So after close to 500 years um, span of time between when uh, Joseph brought his family into the land of Goshen in, in Egypt, all during the time of slavery, they finally have are on the precipice of getting to the promised land. Joshua is the leader now for Israel. Here's how the story unfolds. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab, or Rahab, and stayed there. <clears throat> the king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they've come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And so her response is this, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to her roof, hidden them under the stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. <coughs> when we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. This, this, this is a woman that lives in Jericho, not an Israelite speaking here. She's a prostitute of all things, making this amazing declaration about who God is. Now then, she goes on, now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family. 
because I've shown kindness to you. Give me a sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother and brothers and sisters and all who, who belong to them, that you will save us from death. Their response, our lives for your lives, the men answered. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days and then return and until they return and then go on your way. Now the men had said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land, you have tied a scarlet cord in the window through which you will let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother and brothers and all your family into your house, into your room, if any of them go outside of this room, and to any of them go outside in, into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We cannot be responsible for that. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, if you let the secret out, we will be released from this oath you have made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them on away and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then they started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river, and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. It's an extraordinary story. When they... And, and, and I'm sure at first, when, when we start into this story, it feels a little awkward because these two Israelite men walk, when they enter into town, they go to a prostitute's house. But it's really an act of, of real wisdom that they would do that. Because there wouldn't be much questioning of the neighbors of men going into her place. So it's really kind of a genius move when you think about it. They go into there and then she's able to hide them. And they strike up this deal. Don't give us away. Don't share the secret. Hang a scarlet cord out of your window. When we come and attack Jericho, whoever's inside of your space, inside of your house, they're going to be spared. This deal is struck because Rahab has this faith, has this belief, has this knowledge, this, this divine knowledge that, that the true living God is, it has his hand upon this nation, that he's the one going before them, delivering them, wiping out. The, the kings of the Amorites, and, and it's clear 
they've heard the story about the crossing of the Red Sea. Soon they will see for themselves what happens with the Jordan River as, as Israel will cross the Jordan River and with another miraculous thing. This is the beginning, and you, as you walk through Joshua, you see time and time again God's hand upon Israel, helping Israel to wipe out one nation after another as, as, they, as he's basically giving them the promised land throughout. We might not think much about Rahab. This might be the kind of story that you, you blast right through. This is a cool little thing they do. But what's really interesting about Rahab is this. When, when Israel comes and, and wipes out Jericho and her family is spared, she goes, her and her family live with Israel. And she ends up marrying a man named Salmon, Salmon. And she ends up in the lineage of Jesus. When you look at Matthew chapter 1, you find that her name is noted in Jesus' genealogy. (coughs) A Gentile prostitute finds herself in the genealogy of Jesus. But what's really interesting on top of that is what the writer of Hebrews and even the writer of James, James himself has to say. Let's look at what the writer of Hebrews has to say here. In chapter 11, this is, this is the chapter that speaks about faith, okay? And it's, and it's all these names from the Old Testament. We've looked at this before. <clears throat> I remind you that the word faith literally means definition is Belief in Jesus Christ as Messiah. Look what it has to say about this woman named Rahab. Verse 31, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Imagine that. Somehow this woman has that kind of faith in Jesus. I mean, I find this remarkable, considering that Israel itself is trying to figure out its relationship with God. And they've been given the rules. They've been given the instructions, the parameters. Here's a woman who her entire life has been functioning outside of those parameters. No knowledge of the knowledge that Israel has. Yet somehow she has this fundamental belief, according to the writer of Hebrews, Pistis faith, the kind of faith that is saving faith. And it's expressed through her actions. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. If you just turn a couple of pages over to James chapter 2, we have another writer that expresses this as well. Here's what James has to say, starting at verse 14 of chapter 2. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, no actions? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister 
is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not accomplished by action. If it is not accomplished by action, it is dead. But someone might say, well, you have faith, I have deeds. I say, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. That's great. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Look, there's a, there's a tension. There's a tension inside the church. Are we saved by our faith? Are we saved by our actions? And there's a tendency for people to fall on one side or the other in this. But clearly scripture declares that there's sort of a both and there's a both and here it is by grace that we are saved through faith not by works so that no one can boast understand that you cannot earn your way into heaven you cannot do enough good things to outweigh the bad things and some people approach religion that way but it's purely by grace that we are saved through faith, not by works. Okay, that, that scripture is clear about that. But James comes alongside here and, and, and pushes against that a little bit, saying, yeah, but you can tell me all day long you've got faith. Show me. Show me. You might tell me that you have faith. I'm going to show you that I have faith in Jesus by my actions, by what I do which is really living out the commandment of, uh, of Jesus, love one another as Christ has loved you. Church, we are to be his hands and his feet. Our actions show the reality of our faith. You might even use the word proves, in the, it, that it proves the reality of our faith. That's really the kind of language that James is bringing before us. <clears throat> and he uses the story of Rahab to highlight that. This Gentile prostitute of, of all things shows this fundamental faith, not by her words or not by only her words. She, she de declares it with her mouth, but then she walks it out with her actions. Giving us a great example of how we're to walk this thing out, this thing called faith in Jesus. 
not just something that we declare with our lips, but that we walk out with our hands and our feet, showing the world what the love of Jesus has done for us by allowing the love of Jesus to pour through us. One of the great things that we get to do, for instance, with the African Relief Ministries, when we go to Gambella and we're ministering to these South Sudanese refugees, hundreds, thousands of them, it's just us allowing our faith, the thing that we talk about here, be lived out through us. But I, I, there's only, you know, 10 or 11 of us heading there. But this, this is a message for all of us for every day. James is simply saying, don't, don't just show up on Sundays and sing about Jesus. Walk it out during the week. May, may the people that live around you and, and work with you experience the love of Christ by your actions. Let your deeds declare the reality of your faith. Jesus, we thank you for the truth of your word. Even, even the truth that comes from a, a story that <clears throat> on the surface is challenging. How can a, we talk about a prostitute in such positive ways? Yet she comes before us today highlighting something incredibly important. Faith without works is dead. And then we're humbled by her story today. And her story kind of puts our lives in, in check. And right now we just soul search allowing your holy spirit to speak to us about who we are out there what what our actions are reflecting not just our sunday morning declarations our sunday morning worship what are our deeds out there declaring about us and you Oh, we thank you for your grace and your mercy that's constantly at work in us. Constantly shaping us. Constantly um, coming and knocking on the door of our heart and our mind. Hey, let's talk about this little aspect of who you are. Let's talk about this that you did or maybe this that you didn't do when you should have and it's your grace and your mercy at work constantly and drawing us towards making us more like you that's what we want to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so we just submit our realities to you today and ask, Holy Spirit, that you will continue to empower us to be more and more like you each and every day. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all pray. And everybody said, you stand with me. I want to say a blessing over you. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me enough voice to make it through. Whew, it was close. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you. 
be gracious to you and fill you with his peace and his power this week. Have an amazing one. We'll see you next Sunday.